That's what we want. And if it's so simple, why is it so hard in sharing our faith? Well, there could be a lot of reasons, I suppose, but some find it just super easy. They think it just is a breeze to do that. I'm not one of those. I don't find sharing my faith and going a simple, easy thing to do. It's been a struggle in my life. Maybe you've had that too. But there are some who say it's just really simple, easy to do, make it happen. Just kind of like selling a used car. And, of course, I don't want to come across like that, selling a used car. I'm doing because I'm wanting to talk about the most precious thing in the world. I don't know if you know about the man. There's a book uh, my mother had that I read called The Man Who Sold the Eiffel Tower. And evidently, they were thinking about scrapping the Eiffel Tower some time ago. And they were thinking about selling it for scrap metal. And so this man quite inventively got some documentation that he faked and he went and he started selling the Eiffel Tower to companies take down. It was a complete scam. But he was so good at it that he sold it three times to three different companies. Can you imagine that? Yes, he got all kinds of money. He sold all kinds of things because he was such a good salesman at something about doing those kind of things. The man who sold the Eiffel Tower. Perhaps you've had people come to your door. And they come, and the Mormon missionaries may have come to them from the Latter-day Saints, or perhaps maybe you have been out and been handed literature from the Watchtower from the Jehovah Witnesses. They seem to be the ones that are going out. So it seems that years ago that's how things were done, things were happened, but not so much anymore. We could say, I can do anything but that. I don't want to do, don't make me go out, go door to door, do anything, I'll do anything, I'll wash the floors before I would do that. Well, sometimes we've gone out and shared things with other people, and we've been so embarrassed by things. I have. I've been out. I went out uh, one time when we were uh, in-gathering, and some of you have no clue what that is. So we were out asking for money to help people uh, who were in need, and we were going around at Christmas time, and I had a bunch of juniors that were with me. And so the pastor, you take the juniors. So we were out going, and we got to the first house, and we were singing something, and the kids were singing something, and the door opened up, and the fellow listened to us, and he was listening to us sing, and he said, well, here's 20 bucks. Take those kids home and teach them how to sing. And I'm going, oh, I was so embarrassed. You know what? We all got back in the car, and we went home. I was, oh, was I embarrassed about it. We got there early for cookies, but it was, it was amazing. I just kind of, I was so, oh, dear, it happened. That person happened to be the editor of the Fresno Bee newspaper and wrote the story about that, as I just told you, next, uh, next Sunday's paper that went in. Oh, was I embarrassed about that happened. So, you know, it's not. Or I might say, well, Pastor, it's just not my gift. Uh, I have other gifts. That's not one of them. So I'm good, right? So I don't have to worry about that. Have you seen this symbol? Uh, the symbols, I, mean, I see it on the backs of cars and so forth, and it, it's kind of the Christian symbol. There's a story behind this that you should know. Um, actually, that symbol was drawn in the sand and the ground by early Christians who were being persecuted. And they were very careful about who they revealed they were Christians to because they didn't want to say they were a Christian to someone who would get them jailed and beheaded. 
or burned at the stake. Now that would be a great motivation, wouldn't it? So they would take a stick and they would draw in the sand a picture of a fish. And if the person wasn't a Christian, they would look at it and say, what's that? It's oh, just a fish. It's just wasting my time. But if you were a Christian, you knew that this stood for something. And it stood for ictos. Ictos was a acrostic word, and it used in Greek, and it said on it, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. So that was that word, those letters that are in there. So we have, here we have the word Jesus symbol there, then Christ, the X, is in Greek is, is the sound. The TH is just one thing, a tithos, and that would be for God, Y for Son, and the S for Savior. You didn't know that. You got that no extra charge today. But they were very careful about who you shared with it because you could end up in real deep trouble. But that didn't stop them. They still wanted to go and share their faith. Well, here in America, there seems to be an unwritten rule here uh, that we all have as an understanding as Americans that there are two things we do not talk about. And I bet if I asked you to yell them out, you would all know them. We don't talk about religion or politics. Isn't that right? Yes, we've learned that. We don't talk about this. We can talk about anything else. So now we talk about sports and how well the Patriots are going to do a week from tomorrow. Um, but, ooh, oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, stay tuned. Um, so we want to avoid an argument with anybody, so we don't. Sometimes I've been asked, oh, pastor, come on, we're going to go to lunch with a scowl. So then I go and I sit down with this person. I remember going to a breakfast one time. And one of my members had cornered some other guy, and so he was using me as the, the hired gun. You know, the hired gun, we hire the hired gun to come in and straighten the other person out. And here I am in this jam with this kitchen. We're eating our pancakes here at this restaurant. And this is, okay, pastor, tell him where he's wrong. And I'm going, ah, well, ah, mm, that did not go in very well about that. There are a lot of people who also say, well, you know, basically it's none of your business. You know, really, it's none of your business where, where I am religiously. So we tend to be in a position where we say, I'm going to just not say anything. And I keep it over there. So we want our lives to be demonstrate, right, that we are Christians, so forth. So we become kind of like secret agents. You know what a secret agent does? He comes up and he has his badge, and his, but his badge is underneath, so he kind of flashes it, you know? I'm a Christian. If you identify that it's okay for me to talk, then I'll talk. But if not, sorry. And so we were kind of like that. So, well, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know what happened. Would you open your Bibles to Matthew 28? Matthew 28. Now, to get the sequence of what's happening in this story, and why this is significant. Jesus had already resurrected from the dead. And now he's making his appearance to people. And he's telling his disciples, I'm going to meet you at a certain place. Be there. And so they had traveled up. These 11, as you remember by now, Judas had hung himself. And so Jesus was going to, they told him to meet them. So they went and gathered up on this mountain. And so here is the story, beginning with, Master, uh, with uh, Matthew 28, and we're looking at verse 16. And then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when he saw them, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Now we're not sure exactly how that how that rolls out about exactly who doubted. There may have been more than the 11 with them. And some of them have maybe not, never, hadn't seen Jesus before. So they're kind of gathered there looking at that and having 
Verse 18. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe, uh, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that's into our time. I am with you always, he said. We recognize that. If you have been in the faith very long, you recognize that as the great gospel commission, do you not? And we understand that that is the words of Jesus to every Christian, that that is our duty, is to go and to share our faith and to make that happen. All right, stay right in Matthew. Go over to chapter 5, would you, Matthew? This is uh, in Matthew 5. This is where Jesus is speaking, and it's the famous sermon that he gave on the mount, the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus is talking, he's giving, this is a great sermon of Jesus that we all find so many nuggets in it of great truth. Well, he's talking, and he says in verse three, uh, 13, chapter 5, verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot if it loses its saltiness and happen. Now there's a book out, that's a great book by Rebecca Manley Pippert, and she wrote, Out of the Salt Shaker. How do you get out of the salt shaker and into the world? About If you are interested in that, it's a great book. It's, you can get it on Amazon.com. It's not very expensive. I get, it has full of ideas of how the church can get out of the salt shaker and into the world. Yes, fulfilling that great commission. Going on, he said, verse 14, he goes on, And you are the light of the world, Jesus said, and a town bu uh, built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people who have a light, a lamp, and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it up on a stand, and it makes the light to everyone in the house in the same manner. In the same way, Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Wow. Jesus lays out not only in the Gospel Commission, but there on the Sermon on the Mount, directions to every believer that we are to share our faith. That we are to be a light, we are to be a salt, we are to be in the world, we are to be effective. And so this church is, is committed to reaching our community. And the breakfast that we have uh, coming up in another week uh, are just an example of that. There be other ways that come to get us out into our community. That is what we are to do. Because we have something to take to them. We have something in our world that is significant and that it happens. But perhaps you're not helped yet. Perhaps that isn't working for you yet. So now I want you to look at Acts chapter 4. Would you look at turn to Acts chapter 4? Now this is a stunning thing, because Jesus is already gone. He's out in the book of Acts, as now we're traveling out with the believers that are going around Jerusalem. Jesus has left. I'd like you to see this. Whenever I read this, this kind of stuns me. Verse 13, and when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they were standing before the Sanhedrin, who was trying them. Peter and John knew they were in trouble, I'm in jail. They're standing there. 
And when, they said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, that they were astonished that they took, uh, they uh, took not that these men, they, I have that wrong, there should be, they were astonished and they saw that these men had been with Jesus. They saw that they had been with Jesus. These men had been around there. They had been with Jesus. And when I read that, the reason they saw the courage of these men is because they had been with Jesus. That was one of the recognizing things about their behavior of Peter and John. Well, we could say, well, yes, well, they were with Jesus all the time. They were around him daily. No wonder they had gotten that off. I have not had that privilege. I have not had the privilege of being with Jesus daily, walking with him, seeing to his miracles. Perhaps if I'd been there, I would have had the same courage too. But my argument falls completely apart when I realize that it was uh, Saul that was on the road to Damascus. When he had the encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus, he didn't get a lot of time to spend with Jesus. I don't know how long it took for Jesus to give his message to him, but it changed his life, didn't it not? All of us, at some time, in some way, have that Damascus Road experience. And so now he's going out, and he's, he's sharing, and being the greatest Christian missionary that ever lived, because of this encounter that he had, even though he had not walked with Jesus. Somehow, something he had gotten into his life had changed him. And now to the heart of it. Here's what you need to take home. John 15. John 15. Jesus was speaking, and he's speaking to every one of us. And he said, I am the vine, and you, us, we are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you. You will do what? Bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, in my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The fruit of being a disciple is fruit, is, a, is a, what comes from that, of being Christ's disciple. But, how do I do that? Jesus is saying, the way you, you, way you get to that is you must remain in Christ. Remain in Him. Do you see? The reason that we bear fruit and share is because we have been with Jesus. That's what happened. That's what happened to the disciples. The reason they stood with courage and able to shell is because they had been with Jesus. The reason that Paul did, because he had seen Jesus. The reason that people can share their faith is because they are in connection with Christ. Amen. 
So, here we summarize now. If it is so simple, in this whole month, we've been looking at it, if it is so simple. So, sharing my faith is connected to prayer. That is connected to scripture. That is connected to trusting God. All four of those that we've talked about this whole month are all tied together. Sharing my faith, prayer, Bible study, and trusting God are all tied together. Without them being tied together, the thing that holds the glue of all of them together is simply that I'm abiding in Christ. You see, so I have sharing, prayer, scripture, and trust in God, faith, all hinge on the issue of abiding in Christ. How do I abide in Christ? Because I take his word and prayerfully open it up and learn of him. And when I do that, it changes me inside. And I pray, Lord, you help me find the opportunities that I need. Share with me the opportunities that I need to tell others about your great love. And that prayer then opens the doors. Because God will answer your prayer. And it comes sometimes in the strangest ways you could ever imagine. As someone will come and say, well, tell me about, you're a Christian, tell me, tell me about that. Sometimes they'll come and say, well, you know, I understand you go to church on Saturday. And I say, yeah, why in the world do you do that? Everybody goes to church on Sunday. Why do you go to work on Saturday? And the temptation for me is to jump in and say, well, it's the Ten Commandments, and uh, you better keep the Ten Commandments, or you are in trouble. But before I do that, I say, before I can share with you why I go to church on Saturday, I think I want to share with you first why I believe in Christ. Because Jesus is the one who taught me about the Sabbath. And Jesus became my friend. So it becomes a totally different way. So I would ask you, if it's so simple, why is it so hard? The difficulty that we struggle with our faith, with scripture, with prayer, with sharing our faith, is it is possible that we are not close enough to the Lord. I know there are times we are closer, and sometimes they are farther in the Christian life. That's the ebb and flow of that happens. But I would challenge you that in your Christian experience, your Christian walk, that you move that distance closer to be with Christ. Seek him. So when I read my Bible, I look to see in the Bible, look, Lord, show me. No matter where I'm looking, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, prophecies, chronologies, or whatever, look, Lord, show your face to me. And he will do that. He will make that happen. Now today comes a very unique invitation. And it's an invitation for you to participate in the Lord's Supper. God invites you to that Lord's Supper. We have it here because it's a symbol, it's a thing. You know, someday we're going to the huge banquet Amen. when he comes. He's invited us to his table where he will be there. Today, he invites us to his table to remember him and remember what's coming. 
and to celebrate that together. So I invite you to participate and share. Share at your, participate at your own level, whatever. Seventh-day Adventists practice open communion. What we mean by that, you do not have to be a member of this church. You do not have, you can be a member of other church. You're welcome to participate at whatever level you like and whatever thing you want to be involved with. But just be part of it. Come and be part of it. We also believe in the ordinance of humility, which is in foot washing. And that's what Jesus did with his disciples that night. And as he shared with that, we're going to separate in just a few moments. I have the places on the screen for you where we're going. We're going to separate. And then we'll be back in about 10 minutes to continue on with the Lord's Supper. You participate at the level you want. If you would like to just be at the Lord's Supper part, just stay where you are. We'll be back shortly. So I ask that as we go, that you find your way to find that place to abide in Christ. This supper helps you in remembrance of them. May God bless you as we do so.